On today's episode of In Stride, Sinead talks to international commentator and event writer Spencer Sturmey. Spencer has commentated on and led the production teams at many major five-star events all over the world, including Blenheim, Burley, and Adelaide. Spencer has ridden up to the four-star level in eventing and continues to ride competitively and bring horses up the levels. In addition to his extensive eventing career, he's also competed at the FEI levels in dressage, and he spent four years as a second rider for Olympian Carl Hester. Spencer and Sinead discuss the responsibilities of a commentator and the effects of social media on the sport of eventing. We hope you enjoy this episode. All right, everyone. I'm so excited to have my fast and dear friend, Spencer Sturmey, joining us today on the podcast. Spencer, nice to see you. Sinead is an absolute honor. I can't tell you. You have been one of those gals that I've watched and learned from many years and had the pleasure of commentating with and thank you thank you no I'm so excited that you agreed to come on I know it was so fun at sometimes you just meet somebody or meet a person or meet a horse and it's just fast friends and when yeah. we actually just in person really for the first time at Fair Hill this past season, I mean, I think in the first five minutes, I felt like, I'm like, I've been friends with this guy forever. And the comments from even the feedback from the commentary was like, how long have you guys known each other? And we were like, yeah, <laughs> literally it was. And I too had so many people messaging me and the same thing. The chemistry that we had was remarkable and you don't get that very often and it was such a special event and to meet you and to be able actually to just feel like you're sitting on the sofa enjoying the competition it was it was brilliant and I have to say and you'll know this from Fairhill from Maryland that you have to have each other's backs and there were times when I dropped off the spectrum and you were there giving me a little bit of an elbow saying come on we're all human and it's a tough old game, but yeah, it was brilliant. Oh, so fun. Well, I had a different place I wanted to start, but since we've like led right into this, I actually think it would be really, really cool for a lot of our listeners to hear a little bit about, we'll start at the commentary and then back up and go to the horses. But one of the things I wrote down was like, let's talk about the commentary booth in the box and you are very, very, very well experienced. You've commentated all over the world, led the production team in those types of situations. And it's a pretty, A, it's a very long four days of nonstop being live. I mean, there isn't any editing. It is live. <laughs> and you're working with a whole team behind you and you're kind of the voice that you do feel the pressure of feeling like you're kind of delivering. Look, the people that are educated and know the sport, they know the sport, but there's parents, there's family, there's people watching for the first time. And so it is responsibility to be in that role. And can you talk us through a little bit what it's like from that perspective and the kind of the things people don't know, the highs and lows? Can we start there a little bit? Oh, yeah. You mentioned the word responsibility. It is huge. And what you don't realize is quite the coverage the live stream has and how many countries it goes out to. What you say, I mean, it's only one opinion, but it goes globally. And with the production team, you obviously want to do the very best you can in promoting the sport that we so dearly love and that we're very passionate about but at the same time you can't 
sit there and say, well, that was great when clearly it wasn't. So there's a very fine line between the brilliance and the criticism. And it comes down to, I think, being empathetic with the fact that I ride and have ridden. We, we will go on to that in a minute. But, you know, I know what it takes to go down that centre line. I know what it takes to go into the start box. I know the nerves. I know what goes through the riders' heads. A lot of them are mates. A lot of them are great friends. And I hope, really, that at the end of the day, that is what comes across, is the love, is the passion. We're not there to strip riders down to the bare bones. We're there to produce and production that is great for the sport. And I, I, don't, I don't necessarily say that I get it right every time. You know, we're human, but we learn from our mistakes. And my goodness me, I make quite a few in my, in my past. And you get on with it and you go. And it's really interesting that I'm actually quite an insecure person, as you found out at Fairhill at Maryland. But put me in front of a camera and click and you get on with the job. I know what it's like to ride at the top of the sport. I also know what it's like to ride those babies at the bottom end of the sport. And I, what I love is being equally passionate about the low levels and the top. Yeah. And I think to speak to that, I mean, I don't know, Spencer, maybe it's just from me meeting you, I don't think I would put you as insecure. I'd put you as thoughtful. And I think that you put a lot of responsibility on yourself for how you handle people, what you say, what you do with the horses, and you think a lot about it. But I think that ties into the empathy that you have when you're commentating. And I think a lot of people that are really good in sport can do the same thing, like on the floor and in the ground, they're thoughtful, they're thinking, they're like, oh my God, how can I do this better? That mm -hmm. was a complete cluster. And then they get on the horse and they go to work. And I think you have that, that kind of that switch that you're talking about is that once mm -hmm. you're on air, you're going with it. And you're in and the mode, you're in the, you're in that groove and, and away you go. And it's very easy actually to get overwhelmed by situations by past performances and I, I know a lot of commentators work on stats and percentages I kind of don't I am very much in the moment on the day and I you know again is my PB at Fairhill the same as it was at Stableview well I've got different judges. So it's it's very much a, a matter of opinion. So and as far as I'm concerned and, and how I've worked and competed horses all my life and how I try and get that across on air is that it's very much on the day. It's very much how things unfold. And you never know. You never know. You think you've got them and then they'll throw another spanner in the works. Horses are great levelers. And we we always say the character building, just how much character does one person need? But they keep throwing things at us. And that is why we never, ever, ever stop learning. And to the day you go six feet under, that you know, they, they never stop. And I think that's a great thing. It's the only sport in the world that involves two brains with the human and equine. And my goodness me, it's a tough old game. It really is. And, but it's something that we love. It's infectious. It is, it's just inbuilt in us. And it's a great, great game. And I know, do you know, sometimes I can have a horse that, that's finished a competition 
that I feel is a winner and has finished way down the pecking order. I can have a horse also that has won a competition and I think didn't deserve to. It didn't give me that winning ride, didn't give me that feeling. And I try and do that as well when I'm commentating. You can see when those horses are giving the greats and the girls and the boys a great ride. And you can also see when they're getting around by the skin of their teeth. But you hope then that you can try and commentate on that and say positive things like, well, it's going to go on. And we hope to see these, these two getting better and more confident because it is, I mean, it's such a partnership. I mean, it's not like, I mean, you've just celebrated your 10 year anniversary with Mr. Tick and unlike a marriage, these guys can't run away because we just lock them in a stable. So we have to work around that. We have to do other things to make that marriage work because the relationship that we build with them, it is trust. And if you, any point, lose a little bit of that trust, my goodness me, you are on a downward spiral. And again, you try and put that through into the commentary and, and know when you can see things happening a long way before. We, I know, we know, and we can see what's happening. And that's what I love about it. Well, I think even in your description there, that's why you're a great commentator, because the drama, the highs, the lows, <laughs> draws you in. And I think it was neat. And I'd like you to speak, actually, to the, the progression of the week and what the timetable looks like as well, because I think that's pretty interesting in how... Even from our perspective in the booth, I mean, I think on the last day, I mean, I think there was hardly a dry eye in the house when Austin won the five mm. star. But we mm. were speechless and we had to like elbow each other to say something because we were both in tears watching this kind of really cool event. But, you know, why don't you talk us through a little bit like what happens the first day that you get there or even honestly from the first email that you say, can you come, can you commentate because I'm sure every experience is a little different whether you're in Australia or America. Can you talk about how the week actually like logistically works from behind the scenes? Yeah, I mean it, it's literally when that email drops into your inbox, it is from the film where the, the famous quote quote goes, what did she say about the pirates of Penzance about peeing her pants? I mean you do. I mean you get so excited. You travel all over the world. I'm so lucky. I mean, I'm mean, unbelievably lucky. I wasn't very, no, I wasn't bright at school. I was thick as two short planks. And although a lot of people say that I'm quite bright, you get the email and you can't believe it. I mean, it's a pinch me moment. It really is to commentate at some of these amazing events, whether it be in the UK, whether it be in, in the States, whether it be in Australia, South Africa. I mean, I've been all over the world. It is just incredible. To arrive, to land on terra firma, you've obviously done, I do quite a lot of homework at home. I look at the riders, I look at the form, the horses. Obviously, you know, sometimes there's quite a, a few movers and shakers with horses moving to different riders and you've got to be on top of it all the time, which is never easy. It's not an easy, I try to put databases together it's a bit of a nightmare. It is a, it's a bit of a, ends up being a bit of a spaghetti junction. You can't keep on top of everything, every event of every horse. There's so many, but you arrive. I love the first horse inspection on the Wednesday. It was all, 
I, as a competitor, I hated them because I felt that they're the basically the only part of a three-day event, whether it be long format or short format, that you're not in control of. And watching those or looking at those horses, you see some of them trot up and you think, whoa, wow. And then they come into the dressage and they're like a little daisy cutter. They're extravagant in the trot up, but then don't move in the dressage. There's no rhyme or reason. I was very lucky. We'll go on to it in a bit, but I was very lucky with my dressage background and, and everything. But I love, love my dressage. and I love watching horses work. I love being able to watch tests enthusiastically. And I'm not afraid to say when it doesn't go right. If it's an HXF change the rain medium trot, it's HXF. It's not three quarters of the way across or a quarter of the way across. This is where the judges are marked. This is where you lose marks. So I'm, I'm a stickler for accuracy and precision and keep trying to claw all of those marks back. And I was, I was always taught that if you make a mistake, where's my next 10? Not dwell on what's happened. But two days of dressage, I mean, there's talk of it changing. I mean, will it change? I've no idea. I, I really hope it doesn't. I've, I've been quite vocal recently in saying that I think, sadly, I think the best of our sport is now behind us. It's a very, very sad thing to say, but I'm very passionate about it. And I just don't like all the changes that are happening. And it's difficult. And I think no one likes change. But anyway, look at those horses in the dressage and, and you, you can see the athletic ones you can see but actually it doesn't really matter these days and you know having watched them in the past and on their runs up to the big ones or their main focus of the year what you're expecting and I think riders do too we pressure on ourselves to aim horses for whether it be beginning of the season mid-season end of season three days and when it comes to cross country, I mean, cross country day, I still, I mean, as a commentator, I still get that stick as a pig. I am so nervous. The butterflies are going. I literally cross country morning. I always go out and whether it be Burley or Adelaide or Maryland or wherever it may be, I always go and walk the course or part of it, some of it in the morning. I think more to get myself out of a situation and and I know what it was like hiding away in the lorry and nerves god our brains are such complex things and and it never goes away it never leaves you those feeling you think why the hell am I doing it what why am I then you get going that's why I'm doing it that's why I'm doing it it is the best feeling and I like so many riders and I'm not mentioning any names but like a lot of riders, I think for me, show jumping was always one of my weakest phases. And, you know, things are won and lost within a heartbeat. One fence down, one second. We've seen 0.4 now as it is, uh, one second over the time allowed in the show jumping coming between a win and a lose. And I think when you go into that final phase, we have trained and trained and trained our horses. I know what it's like. I have cried, you mentioned, I, Maryland, when Austin won, I have cried on so many occasions when Molly Summerland with Charlie Van der Heiden won Lemulin, Austin, Badminton, Burley. I know 
the blood, the sweat, the tears, the highs, the lows. There are far more downs than there are ups. And when those ups happen, oh, I literally, the hairs all over my body, I'm going to use the word erect, and I tingle all over. It's the most special feeling and the most incredible feeling. And I hope, I really hope, the passion that comes across people that are listening can feel that because I think what our job is is to to actually make it feel real. And when things go wrong, don't sit there and say, oh, put the passion in. And because if you and I were sat at, we, we'd be going, oh, do that. Because that's what we all do at home. So put it across, put it across. And I think viewers really do appreciate that. I really do. But it's from pillar to post, from start to finish, it is a, a massive roller coaster of emotions. And I'm, I'm so lucky to be doing this job because I am a competitor as well as a, as a commentator. And I know those horrible feelings of going into that arena for the dressage, getting in, coming from the warm-up to the, or getting on actually at the lorry, coming into the warm-up, going to the start box, 10 seconds, five, no, four, three, it's too late. And, and then off you go. And then the show jumping and one fet, one mistake. You know, we've seen it so often with the best of the best, whether it be Ingrid Klimka, Pippa, they one fence, one second, Oliver Townend, one second, and you're down. And I know, and I know those, I know those feelings, and it's, um, it's not nice. But to get it across, just to say you're on mute, you're on mute. Yeah, because oh. I... If you listen back when I'm not on mute, I laugh so much that it's... Oh, I like that. <laughs> but you can see me laughing. Whereas as I'm I know. like interrupting because I'm laughing. Uh, I mute myself. <laughs> no, I like it. I like you laughing. <laughs> yeah, so from pillar to post, it is, it's an emotional roller coaster. And there aren't that many, I don't think, there aren't that many commentators that have written to any level i mean i've qualified enough horses for babins and burleys and fallen off at the bigs and the the littles actually i get more nervous riding around the little ones than the big ones because you don't know what they're going to do at those little ones but when you get to those big ones you hope you know them again relationship but um yeah just getting that across it's not easy is not easy because you can't please everybody all of the time and you've got to be a critic and you've got to be positive and you can't be everybody's friend. And that is, it's very evident. It's very obvious. But my goodness me, again, I say that I'm so lucky to do this job and so lucky to be involved in this sport on the other sides of the ropes, because it, it is a wonderful, wonderful sport. And we're, you know, we're, we're so lucky all around the world and long may it, I hope, stay at Olympic level because it, it's um, it's special and 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 we try and do that and I think you you and I at, at Meriden you say we we had to keep nudging each other and saying come on somebody say something because we were both we were both wrecks at the end of it wanted anyone to win but William as we know has won fourteen 
five stars in his career. Austin having been third at Babington the year before and Burley going not to plan for him with with Colorado. Then coming to Maryland and doing what he did and the mistakes that were made in the dressage, the mistakes that happened in the show jumping, some days it just falls your way. And you say a very good thing, and I, I always try and remember it, about the ships and the sea. And I love your, your little saying. What is it? <laughs> about this, the rising tide. Rising tide raises all ships. Oh. There we go. Ra- rising tide raises all ships. And I love that because it's, it's, these days are very special. And for Austin and for Amy, his wife, I mean, they're grafters, they're hard, you know, everybody works hard and is such a a rewarding sport. But those days, as I said, they're very few and far between. There are many more lows than there are highs. I've no idea why any of us really do this sport, but it is when it happens, when the stars are aligned, it's meant to be. And Austin, it was his time. For whatever reason, for what whatever happened in the dressage when he made his mistake on that final center line, and whatever happens when he missed spectacularly at the Liverpool and Colorado Blue took off probably from at the middle of Maryland, it was he could have flattened that fence completely, but it didn't. And he he was the only double clear, which yeah, was- only one. Only one. Because the time was incredibly tight. So you just maybe he planned to leave that stride out. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, his face did not say that, but <laughs> <laughs> he went flying. And I think the, the thing that's interesting about it, too, that I think you mentioned it a couple of times. I mean, I remember the first production meeting at Maryland, but that's like we kind of get there pretty early Wednesday morning and everybody kind of meets down at the booths and the head of the camera guys all there. You're there. I'm there. The director. It's of the a event. massive team. Huge. Like it is when you're a competitor. The, the team for the production is huge. We're just a little tiny part of it. But the behind the scenes is massive. And, you know, I always, always, Sinead, try and throughout the day thank our cameraman especially in the dressage because my goodness me it's damn boring for them filming however many horses they film in the day through mostly horrific conditions but yeah like you say i mean the production me you know it's a massive massive team the editing that goes on the the post-production quick when i was leaving one of the mornings when we i was leaving our wonderful hotel at the wolf lodge amidst I miss like swimming through a sea of children and other things. Please, <laughs> that's so fucking. <laughs> I didn't sit there. I miss that. But I uh, ran this guy, and he had on a, a thing that said he was crew or whatnot. And so I said yeah. hello, and we were chatting. And he was the guy that put together the super fast reel, so that right at the end, like when because they, they don't. Oh, I know. Three, and then all with, Fra- with like, Frankie as well. Yeah. Yep. It, it's wild what they're it's doing. It's insane. Like, and just like that. I mean, it's it's just crazy. And like you said, there's like the small piece that at, that everybody kind of has their role and it all has to work together. And yeah. it just like with riding horses is that when it goes the best, you don't notice, right? No. Like you notice anything. It just feels natural. Like you're you're just watching a sporting event. You have no idea what's going on behind scenes. But I remember 
sitting there and we hadn't met before. And I had my book like because I ha- they give you a book that kind of has all of the the orders and all that sort of stuff in there. And I had brought some of my own notes, obviously. Cool. And you come striding in in your <laughs> like fancy attire. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's so fancy. And uh, <laughs> and they go to hand you your book and you're like, oh, I have my own. <laughs> I was like, should I have my own? Should I have brought my own? <laughs> But it go the neat thing is I find it's actually pretty cool when you do get invited to do this part of it because you do start paying attention and you do start watching. And again, you're following through the whole season. But, you're making phone calls before you go and you're asking yeah. what the events and you kind of probably have a little bit more of insight of how the weekend's going to play out than even some of the fellow competitors. because. You but really also, do you not find... Because I know you, you've started doing more and more of this live stream and, and more commentary and quite right because you're bloody good at it. But do you not find you would never sit there and watch that many tests or that many horses go cross country or every single show jumping around? And my God, do you learn so much? We are very privileged in that sense that you you see every single one. And unless you're an avid watcher, you'd go and watch one or two. You'd go and watch four or five and then go off shopping or go and have a cup of tea. Or you, you'd watch a couple of horses at one fence on the cross country. We get to see nearly all of it. And that is, I think, something very, very unique and very, very special because as a non-commentator as a non-speaker you don't and i i think that when you sit and watch 60 odd horses doing a five-star test and how differently they all go i just commentated on a grand prix dressage at a high profile show the other day and i have to say i think think there were 17 horses in the grand prix and each and every single one of them was different from seven to twenty-one. From 14 hands in a Grand Prix, you know, and a, and a thoroughbred to a Lusitana. And it was, and I think that's what we're, we're seeing in the sport of eventing as well. Types are changing. I think we're going slightly back, more back to the thoroughbred types, but there's no rhyme or reason. And, you know, I, I know I go on and, and I yabber on and yabber on. And that's probably why I do the job I do. But I, going back to what I was just saying, God, I go round and round the houses and I was just basically saying we're lucky to watch so many horses. You wouldn't do it normally. Why couldn't you just say that? I don't know. <laughs> I love it that you say it's just a, like this nice winding road. It's a trip we're all on with you. <laughs> love it. I, I do want to go back to something you kind of alluded to, and you were pretty public about it on social media, is kind of social licensing, like, what are we doing? How are we contributing, not contributing? How are we helping, hurting? Can, and how, w- rightly so, like, we're at kind of this pivotal place where social media, I think you had said, like, I agree with the presence of social media, but we have to be more responsible with it. it was, I'm paraphrasing, but can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I'm a great believer in social media. I'm not the most techie. I'm not the most, you know, I don't post hourly or daily on Facebook or Instagram or whatever else there is, TikTok and things like that. But I do think the onus and the responsibility must fall back on those that are posting and what content they are posting. And I, we, we are in this 
day and age where we we are open to criticism from people we don't know. And I know when we post things that we have an option in a drop down box to post publicly or just to friends. Now, we can be savvy and smart. And if we and I, I am a great criticizer of myself, I would never put something up that I thought, oh, Christ, here we go. And if you do, you've got to be be prepared to be shot at. It's a new world we're in and we have to embrace it. We have to go with it, whether we like it or not, dragged kicking and screaming into this new era that has been around for quite a long time and some of us are still quite stuck in the mud. But we've got to be clever. You know, we've got to be very, very aware of what we're doing. And we we know, I mean, I was on it this morning and it it doesn't stop, whether it be dressage or show jumping or eventing. The dressage world is being hit hard at the moment. I mean, there's hurricane after hurricane after hurricane. And it, it's very sad to see. It's very sad to read. And it's people are also getting quite sneaky at getting footage. But if it's going on, I mean, honestly, it is a sad old world. I've always been a little bit and I'm going to be very open and honest here. I've never been through my training, through who's trained me. I've never been a side rein, draw rein person. I've never been, and we'll, we'll come on to that, but I've never been one of, one of those. But if you're going to put things like that on social media these days, got to, you've got to be prepared for the criticism that's going to come because we're so open now, all sports. And it's been highlighted, sadly, from the Olympics, from modern pentathlon, from what was very painful, I think, for everybody to watch the show jumping. But you now you look at it, you think, why don't you just lower it? Why are you making it so big for these guys that have never sat on these horses, that have had 10 minutes to get to know them, and then they're jumping around a 1 meter 15 track? I mean, that's plenty big enough for anybody, but lower it. We're in this day and we're in this era of things being very available, whether it, on any platform. And when, it, when it's an Olympics, God, we're trying to pr promote this sport, promote it, not kill it. And we, for me, it's common sense, but does it prevail? Not always. It's a, it's a tough one. It really is. And it doesn't matter how passionate you are. There's always going to be somebody that criticizes. And as I've learned, even, even with the commentary, you could get 700 positive comments and one negative, one negative out of the 700, and you will dwell on the one. And that, I think it's human nature, but we, we just have to be so careful, so, so careful. I know that we're good for Paris with the with the sports all round, but Los Angeles is looking a little bit, it's looking very, very mm -hmm. dicey at the moment. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think we've, we've helped ourselves. I really don't. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think it's interesting, right? And, and you definitely said this. I think there's a responsibility on both ends. It's, there's yeah. a, an openness to it. And if, be thoughtful about what you post. I mean, I think yeah. that's, that's part of it. It's, I'm not saying it's okay to like do things in the shadows and not post it. I'm just yeah, saying, yeah, yeah. well, about what you put out there. I think we are definitely, and I find myself in this 
position often where we feel like anything that happens in our day, we have I like, know. and it's like, who cares? I know. Don't like, I know. I know. And uh, we've got the likes of Piggy March, who with Piggy TV, she's unbelievably open. She's incredibly clear, whether it be good or bad. But what is good about Pigs is that she knows how to train horses. When it doesn't go right, it's not a problem. And that is where we need audience to look and understand because i can tell you for sure that whether it be you me hick piggy any of them if you take a photo at the right moment mm -hmm. you can criticize it no oh, absolutely i mean context is is so 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 important i mean and yeah. i think that's the thing that's interesting i was talking to tick about this when he because i don't like to debate like i'm not actually i don't like to argue as outspoken, as opinionated as I can be, I just hate arguing. And and I think part of it is because if I'm not super knowledgeable on something, I'd rather just not go there because I can get a little too emotional. I can be like, well, I feel this is right, but I don't have enough facts to back it up. So well, I don't, I, I don't think it's necessarily that you don't have the fact. I, I just think sometimes I'm a bit the same. I don't like confrontation. Mm. I will talk passionately about it. But if someone wants to attack me, I will close down. I Yeah. And I think a little bit, though, like what what he was talking to me, because he he actually was going to law school and he was in some debate classes. And he thought one of the most powerful things, which I thought was super interesting, is when they had to argue for the opposing party. They yeah. had to do research and they got in that. I thought that was like super, super interesting. Yeah. Like I find whether like, whether they wanted to or not. Yes. And yeah. so you had to do and your goal was to like win yeah. that even arguing yeah. that you were personally opposed to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. Right. And I thought the practice of it is so cool. So I try now, whenever I get a little bit like reactive to something, I'm like, okay, there's something in this. Let's get educated. Yeah. Some stuff that came out here. I'll speak freely about like the videos on Katie Perdant. And I've known Katie for a long time and ridden with her when I was in Middleburg and when she did some stuff for the team and they pulled out some stuff from this training session that she did. And I was like, like, that's interesting. And so I went and watched the whole thing and you could have easily, and I'm not, the way that she said some stuff, she could definitely level up on how she's saying things. I saw this video. Yeah. Yeah, but I went in and what they could have done is exactly the opposite. They could have gone in and done a total reel on all the awesome things that she said and how there were part Yeah, certain exactly, things. exactly. Like, yes, it, A, I think when for you, Seth, a little bit, like know who you're bringing in. And if you're going to bring in somebody like Katie, who's very passionate about what she says, and it's not always literal, like it's not literal. It's kind of like this cultural way of saying, oh, I do this as opposed, and it's like, it's not literal. And, yeah. uh, but she has so many good things is that you, yeah. you're conscious to bring somebody in just saying, Hey, this is the vocabulary that we need because and, this is, and this is, this is part of the, the trouble. I was watching something that William Fox Pitt was, was doing only recently. And if you clipped out some of the things he was saying and posted them on social media, my God, he'd be hung, drawn and quartered. Yeah. But, it's in that moment and it's, it, this is why it's so difficult and it's so tricky. It is so tricky. And we are, we are dealing with a much wider 
audience now, and I hate to say a lot of uneducated people, but I think it's drawing in more uneducated people. And it's our job to try and educate them in a positive and productive way. And I think that it's like, look, I think in most things, the horse sports are a little bit archaic in the way that we're, we have evolved through things like we're we're late to the party but from everything from sports psychology to mental health to horse mm. psychology to learning kind of how to speak in these things in these ways, more appropriate way. And it's yeah. like, I, honestly, most of the time, it, well, I won't say most of the time in, in some of the situations with the people that I that I really re- like William is one of the best horse people I've ever seen in my life. I mean, I've worked there for a while and I've never seen him. He's incredible. And yeah. um, but it's like the way that you say something to all of us, we kind of get it. But then yeah. there's this next wave of people that can speak to it in a more uh, like scientific or neuroscience. Yeah, way. yeah, yeah, yeah. The people that don't know, because those who know, know. You understand what he's saying. He's made his point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But that it's like what you're talking about when we're putting something on a platform like social media and yeah. maybe people haven't been in that experience they're going to take it a little bit more literally and maybe that's the part that has to be educated and that's where there's certain avenues where we can level up and and like you said it's not going away so we just have to be better we just have to get better and i think they're unfortunately just like there's we have like you said because of our like our biology we have a negative bias we're always going yeah. to negative we're oh that's going to stand out all of the time so it's not shocking that that's what gets portrayed as much as we would like to use social media as a positive outlet you could post 5,000 happy memes and one bad one's going to be the one. Uh, a million percent. And I actually ha- have started cringing when I go onto social media and go onto the comments now because I'll, I'll click on somebody's post and I'll start reading down. I think, oh, positive, 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 positive. Okay, get off. Don't go any further because it just takes one and then away they come. And it, it it's fodder for everybody, and they they love it. They absolutely love it, and it it's so sad. It is so sad. I just don't know how. I don't know really how people can be so openly, vocally nasty. I really don't. I mean, I. We were, we, I mean, when I grew up, it was speak when you're spoken to and respect your elders and all this and all that. I could never post something like that. You might think it, but my God, you don't put it onto social media. And as I said in, in one of my recent posts, the professional, they would never, professionals would never start debating on social. Never, ever, ever. It's the people we don't know, never heard of never ever heard of that do it and and that's a sad fact but it's now down to i'm going to use us to try and change that now because something's got to bloody well change or we're going to be out of sport yeah i mean i think you're right i mean i think that can only if you can only do what you can do i i know certainly for me and hopefully a lot of people don't go on my my uh facebook to see if i've unfollowed them but <laughs> I, if I get on my stream and it start and it's a, and something negative comes up, I just unfollow. unfollow yeah. I like I just I can't. And I'm funny because I've had these conversations in my family some because I'm a little bit I do that a little bit. And some of my family would be like, oh, you're just sticking your head in the sand. And I'm like, well, I'm a better person if I'm. Yeah. Not, yeah. Yeah. 
secrets in my family, my people, this, whatever. I mean, I, I've kept my gob shut for, for quite a long time. And it, it, it take. I mean, I, I think I started off one of my posts. He prepared, he's prepared, you know, prepared to be shot down. I thought that was a really good post. I thought that was very thoughtful. Yeah, I was surprised, actually. And I had Lucinda Green staying with me last week. I think I put on, I think I put it on social media. I don't give up my bed easily, but she had my bed and I had to sleep on the sofa. But she read it and the cheeky, cheeky mare, she sat at my table in the kitchen. She said, I didn't realize you could write so well. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> <laughs> but that lady should have said, <laughs> but it, it's you get to a point and you just think and like you said don't say anything and then you get to a point and you think god I, i've got to i've got to. but again why do you need to and social media is used to be there back in the day it was it was there to it was there, there for the good and now it you know it's just uh, yeah yeah. We're we're of that generation, whatever we are, and it's too open now. And we've just got to be we've just got to be careful. <laughs> just have to be careful. Yes. Think about it before you say it. Absolutely. You... I know. But I, to your point, like I, I kind of feel like if it if it keeps you up, if there's something that you feel like an expression that you like, how you wrote what you wrote was really thoughtful. Mm. You really took the time to write it. You took the time to think through it. I'm sure you edited it quite a lot before you hit send like you're like oh what? I put everything into notes yeah, yeah right. everything into yeah. notes and what are you trying to say what is the point and that's I know the time in doing that then hell yeah go for it it's the need yeah. stuff that you're kind of like am I just trying to be right am well I that that's right? why I write these things I put them into notes and I sometimes most of the time actually I sort of get to the end of it reread it edit it and then think no, I've said what I need to say. I've got it out of my system. I've written it down. I'm done. But I actually felt on that, for that instant, I needed, I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not anybody, you know, but I just felt I need, I don't know. I probably shouldn't have done. No, I mean, I think that, they was that much. I mean, that's how much you thought about it, right? Where yeah. most of the things aren't, I mean, I think it's a platform. It doesn't have to be all sunshine. It can be a discussion. Yeah conversational platform which is how that set up it didn't there wasn't to me any brace and but yeah. i think again we i mean we could talk about this until we're blue in the face but i think mm. being thoughtful about what we post and how we post and realizing that it is whatever we say good or bad it's gonna it's gonna be a reflection on the on the sport. yeah like, yeah it is important that we take care of this but be mindful and as i said be prepared to be shot at <laughs> whatever you put up got to be prepared to be shot at and there are these, whether it be a TikTok or a Facebook or a Instagram, there are these users that do it for the detriment. You know, I know there are these users that put these things up to prove a point. Like, I mean, I'm not going into that side of it, but, you know, like a, an anti-whatever. It And that's sad. It's, But it's, again, it's there. And just got to be dealt with. And, and we've got to be very smart and savvy. And, and whether we like it or not, we didn't have to deal with those things when, when we were because we didn't, I don't know whether we had that technology on our phones or whether there were phones about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. We're going to switch gears because I've yeah. almost run here an hour and we haven't okay. talked about you and your horses. So, yeah. So <laughs> I do, before we, we kind of linger on this, I do want to talk a little bit about 
your start, how the eventing career, the dressage career, let's dice some tester in there. And <laughs> yeah, because I think that's a real I mean, right now, obviously, everybody knows that about your riding. But I think most people now recognize you from exactly where you're sitting right now calling. Yeah. All so talk a little yeah. bit the history. And well, yeah. I mean, I I was um, I was born into hunting my my father was a master of hounds and a and a whip to hunt as i as i was born and growing up i was hunting off the lead rein at four four years old and my grandfather my mother's father he was also huntsman for some prolific hunts in the uk and i sort of fell into it and i it wasn't really anything i Doctors thought I had rickets when I was growing up, which is when you have the bandy legs. But it was just because I was put on a horse before I could walk. And that's how my legs grew. I mean, my father always said you, you couldn't stop a pig in an alley. That was the, the saying, because my legs were so wide that a pig would just run straight through. But I, I started, my mother evented. I was very lucky to have that, I suppose. We, we always had horses at home we hunting it, it, it's not very well paid we didn't have the luxury of being able to go out and buy produced horses and I started off doing pony club hunter trials and and all of that I rep, represented Great Britain at, at tetrathlon triathlon and modern pentathlon I was uh, a fit little little um bean and then sort of fell into eventing and i loved it my very first ever um affiliated event i won on a, a lovely mare that, that was homebred and i remember getting home <laughs> and i was my first affiliated i was 15 or whatever i was 16 15 doing a novice we didn't start we didn't have the lower levels we started at novice and i got home and was really chuffed and I remember my mother my mother saying or the owner saying well yeah that well don't think it's going to be that easy all the time can somebody not just be pleased and it it wasn't it was quite a long time before I won my next one but then in 1991 I had a very bad fall at home and I broke my neck and I broke C2 3 4 5 6 and 7 and I had paralysis. It was awful, awful time. But I was 16. I was in halo traction with um, the bolts drilled in to my skull. My mother had to tighten it up with a two pound torque screw every day. And actually, it all fell off. The, the bolts pulled out of my skull and they had to realign it. But I, I was one of the very first. Nick Skelton, the gold medalist at British show jumper, he broke his neck, he was in one, but I was one of the very first to have the halo traction on. Anyway, I came back from that and was was very lucky to have a phone call. I don't quite know how it happened, but from Carl Hester uh, to ask, he, he taught me a couple of times and I learned to ride, ride by watching videos of Ginny, Leng, Holgate, of Lucinda and Ian Stark, all of those biggies, and then go and get on a horse 
and try and emulate that. We were very lucky at home. We we had a horse trials called Markgate Horse Trials, which my dad, my father built for 25 years and my mother organized for 26 or 27 years. So I would go off in school and, you know, practice because we couldn't afford lessons. But Carl asked if I would go and be second rider. I didn't really know who he was. I I did, but I didn't. I was He was still with the Bechtelsteimers and just moving to his new yard in Stowe on the World. And I was like, yeah, okay. And I went. I went there with a horse that, that we'd, a four-year-old that we'd um, been given. He was a shire cross thoroughbred. And at four and a half years old, he was learning tempi changes. He was just incredible. And I was second rider to Carl for four years. And my God, did I learn. You know, he was incredible. And I think it was probably the right step to make after my neck. And I always remember my first event back, because I still was doing dressage and eventing when I was at Carl's. And my father said to me, you fool, next time, put your hands out to save yourself. So I did. And the next time I felt... And I broke both my wrists and dislocated my shoulder. Now, and yeah, it was horrific. And my mother wouldn't let me go to hospital because she wanted to get the horses home. So I sat in the living of the lorry with my wrists on the table in the living. And they were swelling. They were getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And she just said, we're putting the horses to bed. Then we'll take you to hospital. And anyway, they, it was clean broke. But anyway, it, it was it was amazing. It really was. And then I came I came back to eventing. I was very lucky to work for some brilliant riders, Charlotte Bay, the, just after her Atlanta Olympics, and it was, it was a very special time. And I learned so much. And I've I've had a lot of falls, a lot of breaks, as as a lot of event riders do. But it's been a, an amazing career. You know, I've competed up to four star as it was five star now competed up to grand prix in in dressage and it, it's been it's been very special and i think that a lot of people probably like you were saying probably now forget that i rode and know me more as a as a commentator but um watch this space because i've got a little horse coming out next this year i'm going back eventing oh, at my ripe old age <laughs> You're, you're in the eventing in the eventing career. We got some, we got some senior citizens out there. You're rocking and rolling. I saw Ian start two days ago. I know, to... I know. <laughs> and he's like, I've got this great young one, and he's trying to figure out what to do with the advanced one. And he's going to be seventy in two weeks. You got. I plenty. know, and he still goes down the uh, black run skiing. I mean, he yeah. is yeah. nuts. He's nuts. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it has been it has been brilliant. And I broke my neck again in 2010. And I had three horses entered at Western Park Horse Trials in the three-day events. And obviously, I couldn't ride them. I'd broken my neck. And Janet Plant, who was the organizer, rang me and said, OK, you're obviously not coming. But we we need a commentator for the trot up, and I said okay, right. And it never been on my spectrum. I'd never wanted to do it, and I thought okay, well I can I can go and do the trot up. I mean it's only down the road, 
and I did it. And whilst I was doing it, a very good British commentator, two of them, Mike Tucker and Justin Llewellyn, heard me and said, think you might actually be quite good at this. Um, and they were my crutches. They were my guides. They were my mentors. They were brilliant. And I, I learned so much from them. And Justin, we sadly lost before Mike. And it, it was, it was, it's a very lonely game. I think probably I make it quite lonely because I, I love it so much and I'm very passionate about it. But it, it's, it's not easy. People think that they could just go and do it. But God, it, you know, it is hard. I remember commentating, commentating on William at Bramham one year after he's had a run out in the um, uh, little cops early on at Badminton and then rerouted to Bramham. And I was trying to say it was an uncharacteristic run out. Well, could I get uncharacteristic out? It was uncarrot something, un this, un that, un this, un that. My brain was going 20 to the dozen and literally saying, where are you going? And it was unlucky, but he, it's live. It happens. But what I was just, God, I go on, don't I? But what I was saying is the second time I broke my neck and the first trot up I did at Western Park in 2010 was my first ever commentary. And I went on from Western Park in the spring of 2010. I did Blenheim Horse Trials in the autumn and Burley the following year. You, it was, I suffer badly with imposter syndrome because you think, how did I do that? It's been remarkable. It really has. I, I've, I've done voiceovers for games. I've done amazing things. I, I work for Warner Brothers for the, you know, I walk into the Disney studios and I walk in there and I'm like, oh my God, it is, it's, it's weird. It really is. I, I still feel like I'm 12. I'm not, but you do. And you just think, God, how did I do that? Just by opening and shutting your mouth. But mm. again, going back to the beginning, it, it is that from riding, putting it across and knowing full well when those little mistakes happen when the eyes happen reacting and I am not afraid to burst into tears on live tv because I do it at home and I I think honestly I've had so many people when I cry they're like oh, you made me cry good I made you good because I want everybody to be on that journey I want everybody to be in that arena with that rider on the cross country with that rider and be part of it it's a bloody long road whether it be at any level it's a bloody long road and my god it can go wrong so quickly and we you know when you when it goes right i'm right up there i don't care who you are uh, well and i think it's like for you too it's not only having done it and being educated in it it's knowing it's knowing the crowd, like you said, it's knowing a lot of your mates are in the field. Yeah. And I mean, what's your favorite part? My favorite part about watching the Olympics is knowing the background story. It's knowing the person feeling like I'm connected. Even... Let's, let's go. Let's go back to Maryland. The only horse inside the time on the cross country. How much did it cost? A few hundred bucks. Mm. Yeah. Those are the background stories that, that are that make it so special. 
but also I saw David a couple of days ago and I was just asking him how it was going and he was like I said, oh, are you enjoying being like a horse owner instead of the rider? And he said, yeah, because this was never supposed to happen. Like that horse should be doing what it's doing. Yeah. Like that's the cool thing about horses. You're just, I think that's the neat thing when you get it is that it's just like riding is that you do all this work, you kind of figure it out. And then you just, there's like this quiet five minutes before we get going. And and I both get a little quiet before we go live. We're both just like in our stuff and it's a little before the start box. And then you just, wait yeah because then the yeah. show happens all you're doing is calling what you see you know yeah like, yeah yeah it's like it unfolds in front of you and it's so exciting it's so cool well, especially when you just know enough. and if you don't that hopefully you're in the position you're so good at it like like it's like letting bring people in if they don't yeah. it's like come on this is what this horse is this is what we're seeing this is what we're watching and then yeah that combination yeah it is i'm an avid you know i mean i use it all the time i'm an avid ear watcher i mean i love watching their ears when i'm when i'm commentating on them because they they tell such a big story but also when you're in the saddle i know that feeling i know what goes on and i love getting into horses brains you can see that from the ground as well i know that comes across then into not only riding or commentating, but also training other people because you can see what is going on and being able to recognize, you know, how a horse is reacting, how a horse is feeling, see their expressions, whether it be in the dressage, anticipating a movement, their change in their demeanor when they're going cross country. We can pick up on those things very, very quickly. And and I think that makes it to the audience bringing it bringing it home yeah it's funny we had this we do this winter camp it's like an idea we always have speakers come in and um we had a a friend of ours who's a dentist who's a horse dentist and i knew she was super she, she's a vet as well super educated and we were kind of like okay well this could be interesting to have her come in she fit fits as well and what was what really stood out to me so she she spoke for an hour and a half and she was so passionate about what she was speaking. I mean, she mm. lit up when she talked. I mean, she could have been talking mm. about like reading the encyclopedia to me. And yeah. I would, yeah, this is so yeah. interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that it just comes through, you know, and I think that you look at it and you think, how did I do this? It's because it comes through. Yeah. Right? yeah. That excitement. And it's infectious. Like you said, people feel like they're part it of is. it. It is. It is. Yeah, absolutely. You want people to be on that journey. And you want people to be in the room. Like I say, you know, whether whether or not you want them to be in the saddle, I think when, when you're riding a dressage test, when you're, when you're riding cross-country and you know those little movements, try and get those across. Try and, and say that's what the rider's doing and because then it becomes something else. It doesn't just become a picture on your screen. It actually starts then becoming a bit of a story. And I think that's really important to be able to get that across. I was, I, when I very, as I said, in 2010, I very first started, I went to a commentary course and I had to get, I had to commentate on a football match for radio. Oh, wow. No, not wow. It was <laughs> dreadful. <laughs> I know a, nothing about. Oh, no, wow. That's my politically correct. <laughs> I know nothing about football. And when you're, I mean, I couldn't just say the red man's moved and the, you know, kicked a white thing and then the blue man's moved. I knew nothing. 
but you had to try. And this is again, what you're trying to do when you're commentating is actually make those pictures come alive. And like you and I, it was, it was just instant, but it was like we're sitting on the sofa, but bringing it, making it easy, making it passionate, making it interesting to listen to. And it, it, it's, uh, I love it. I love the sport. I'm very passionate as a, as a competitor, as a commentator, you know, anything to do with it. And I hope that um, it comes across and I, I, I hope we get to work together again soon. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Me too. I'm sure that that they're not going to keep. We're just bring our own microphone. <laughs> Absolutely. We can do a sideshow. <laughs> All right. I'm going to move into these questions that I. Okay. Okay. All right, Spence. What is the biggest lesson a horse has taught you about yourself? I thought about that one for quite a long time, and I think what it what horses have taught me is that I'm a much better and more tolerable person of horses than I am of people uh, on the whole. I get on with quirky, weird, sharp, tricky horses. I don't know what that says about me, but I... Why you grow up with me? But I, they're great. They are great levelers. I just love working with them. And some horses you get on, I use, I use it in the in the dressage as well. You know, some horses you get on, they don't want their hand held. And they're all their own little pers personalities. They're all, all their own little individuals. Some horses that you get on, you know, they they if you pointed a gun at, they would they would point one back. Some would just say, uh, hang on a minute, could we just talk about this? And there there are gentlemen and ladies and there are mafia. It is incredible incredible and i i think you have to have i mean i'm not trying to big myself up but i think you have to have a really good brain to work with horses it's not just about working them it is getting inside them and that's what i love that's what that's what they've they've taught me is is about understanding i wish i could say things so much quicker and so much shorter i'm so sorry <laughs> when have a job <laughs> I know. That for four days. I know. Uh, it's part of it. Do you have a favorite training or competition mantra you reference regularly? Yeah, I think I just I just sort of touched on that, and I I think horses are they're very much individuals, and we we I think we have to work with their uniqueness and with their personalities. You know, we've always got to try and remember that. Well. Remember and learn really uh, about how to adapt to them and not the other way around. I think we do fall into that trap sometimes. We have to adapt to them. And I, I like the three, I like the three S's, which I like to think about when I train at home. It's the same as when I go to a competition. So thinking about systematic, the system that you use, be sympathetic and also be sensitive. So those three, three S's, being able to, we use the word react quite a lot, but being able to react accordingly and correctly, I think is very, very much underestimate, un, underestimated and very much misunderstood. It is a huge part of a rider and a huge part of the training 
to be able to react and adapt because a lot of the time when things go wrong, it's through pure frustration. And that is because we don't know enough. Yeah, totally agree. And then honestly, in that situation, if you're tense or tight or frustrated, you're not going to react yep. in that way anyway. Nope. Mm -hmm. Got to get your shit together. <laughs> That's my mantra. <laughs> yeah. I could have just said that, couldn't I? Rather than go, why say it in three words when you can say it in 300? <laughs> Are you sure you're not Irish? Uh, <laughs> I know. Is there a piece of advice someone gave you along the way that you still reference today? Oh my God. Yes. So, I mean, as I said, we, I, we couldn't afford lessons. I would watch videos and then go out and get on. If it didn't go right, I'd go back in. When I say video, it's the, the old DVD, okay, for those that are watching. And then i go back and get on. If it didn't work, I'd go back, rewatch, get on. But I was very lucky to, when I, I had my idols, Ginny Lang Holgate was my, I mean, she was, for me, just perfection, cross country. Lucinda was fantastic and brilliant, but I think when I came into eventing, Ginny was sort of just taking over from Lucinda's yellow patch and into Ginny's purple patch. Ginny always, and she trained me for, for many, many years and, and will still do, and she always said, kiss, keep it simple, stupid. I, it's not rocket science. And sometimes we, we do try and make things much harder than actually they are and we we have to understand and i very much when i train when i teach and coach i always have in my head keep it simple stupid never ask a question you don't know the answer to if you do you're lost if you're asking a horse to do something that you don't know the answer to how is it going to work? So be prepared. And then again, going back to Carl, and he was, I mean, so many things that I learned from him. But one thing that always remained with me was that he said, listen to your horses, whether that be their breathing. And I, I think we do miss a lot of these things, simple things. Listen to them keep the conversation alive we get i think sometimes over consumed in the perfect actually keep it alive keep a keep a conversation going with you and your horse and remember and i never forget this it's always their want not your need that's it <laughs> that's a lie <laughs> i know i've got to write all of that down now sorry <laughs> I've got to remember. It's <laughs> oh, it's all right. I'm the problem. It's me. It's my Swifty friend. Now that's, it's, it's really, really good. I try and think about that a lot. Like if I'm teaching or if I'm riding and I'm just thinking, God, this is getting complicated. I'm thinking, well, I've just yeah. made it complicated. Like it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And just, just thinking, uh, you know, when we break things down and just say, say actually when you when you think about it like that and only ask the questions that the answers to 
that's where the confidence comes. That's where that trust comes. That's when you start building. Mm -hmm. And then you can start intensifying those questions. And I, in the dress size, I say it's not just singing from the same hymn page, mm -hmm. singing from the same line, singing in the same key, singing, singing in the same, it is, it, it's the finessing. It's all of those things. Anyway, I go on. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's so right. I mean, we think about that all the time. It's like, if it's getting too complicated, you got actually to back up until it's simple. Yeah, yeah. Keep it simple, stupid. What did you call me? <laughs> <laughs> okay, what do you do when you are seeking inspiration? I watch Sinead helping as she was come third at Kentucky. Yeah. No, yeah, I do, but you never stop seeking inspiration. Very easy, I think, to get lost in your own little world. Get in, get into that bubble, into into your little situation. But have I love watching DVDs. I love watching badminton's and burleys and big events of the you know yesteryear. I think we can learn so much from watching other riders. And like I said earlier, very fortunate to watch. 60 dressage tests, 60 horses go cross country, and you wouldn't necessarily do that. And actually, I've, I've done it at home, but you will get up and go make a cup of tea or get up and go for a pee. You don't get that opportunity when you're doing the live stream. Luckily for me, I mean, of, of that age, I have a colostomy bag, so I can I can pee on the job. Um, Wondering what it was. <laughs> far, yeah, yeah, exactly. Far too much information. Go and watch the, the, the events, and whether it be eventing or dress but also i'm very lucky that i can pick up the phone i can ring carl i can ring lucinda i can ring Ginny, and actually i've got braver as i've got older to be to do that i thought i was the pain in the butt that i thought i was but actually they are they're they're mates they're they're friends i mean lucinda was making scrambled egg in my kitchen the other night you're, you're like, but they are they are mates the, the idols that you know, I grew up with watching and they're, they're my friends and that's weird. It's very weird, but it, it's lovely. It is lovely. And I'm lucky to have those guys to, to get inspiration from. But like I said, you watch 60 horses, you can get inspiration from watching, you know, anybody, I think, because you can learn, you always pick up something. You look for the clear rounds in the dressage. There aren't that many. We talk about it. You you talk to Charlotte Desjardins and um, all of those guys. They they, and we we'll always find something that wasn't quite right with our test, you know. But I just I just love the training and to to watch everybody to go and do it and to speak to these amazing. And how lucky are we? with you, with William, and, you know, how lucky are we? It is, it, you know, it's a, it, it really is a pinch-me moment that we, we've grown up in this industry, in this world, that we're able to do what a lot of people can't. Um, it, it's awesome. It, it's bloody awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it is, and I think that is so unique to our sport, like you said, that you can be alongside growing up watching your idols and then at some point you're in the warm-up and at some point you're chatting and at some point yeah. you're friends and everybody's just 
I mean, in the horse sports, it's such a humbling, leveling thing, like you said, yeah. that most people are pretty, pretty normal or or eccentric in their own way, but not. Did not you use the word pretty normal in the well, horse I, world. I changed it. I said, yeah, one way. you were quite quick in that. That's yeah. where that is. The, that's the making of a brilliant commentator, you see. Yeah, <laughs> taking that out of context. Yeah. We <laughs> <laughs> <You> were normal. <laughs> uh, but it is it is pretty cool when you start to realize that there is. Uh, you know, you can kind of speak and and people are happy to give to to give the time, like you said. You yeah, know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But you, you, you that's part of you've had, But you've had to work for it. You know, you haven't you haven't, you've not sat on your backside and just go well, give it to me, give it to me. You know, you've worked hard, and and that you know that's why. Hate to, I hate to say that's why we are where we are because, but we're bloody fortunate. We really are bloody fortunate. Bloody hell. Bloody hell. Bloody hell. All right. The fifth and final question. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Have you had an experience or an adversity separate from horses you feel has influenced you as a horseman? Uh, yeah. Um, I think the first one was when I, when I, break my neck um second one that i think really nearly changed my life because i only have about 85 percent feeling down my left side um not a lot of people know that i could probably go and ride for the paras which is quite exciting i could be a you know a paralympic rider um i couldn't but the la the last the last fall i had was horrific which was in, I think it was 2021, two, three, yeah, 2021. I had a horse that collided with a flatbed trailer. I don't know what you call them in the States. And I thought he'd broken his leg. But anyway, he came down on top of me on the road and I developed what they called acute compartment syndrome, which is a calf injury. You, you get it in your calf. I had it in my thigh, typically. And they wanted to amputate my leg from the hip, desperate to do that. And it was, it, it was a question. It, it, it wasn't really a question. I was in hospital. And basically what happens is that the blood fills up and fills up and then cuts off the circulation. And then that's it. So it wasn't, well, I'll sleep on it. It was, I have to make this decision. And it was just after COVID. I was in hospital on my own. I couldn't ask anybody. And it was it was a it was a shitty time actually. And you know, I'd been through the neck and the paralysis. And then I was faced with having my leg amputated. And I was just, you know, your brain is is such a arse of a thing, really. You know, it, it can be your best friend and it can be your worst bloody enemy. And I told them that they couldn't amputate. I wouldn't sign the disclaimer. And I said, I'm, no. So they did what they had to do operational. Um, and they, they sort of split my leg from the knee to the hip and let it drain for a couple of days. And when I was going through rehab, I was very lucky. I had a bit of support from the British eventing team and 
I was very lucky, but during rehab, my thigh muscle, and I could, I wasn't allowed to weight bear, but my thigh muscle split into two. Um, uh-huh. I know, and developed its own blood supply. And I've got this lump on the outside of my leg. Now, if it was on the inside of my leg, I'd be very popular. Um, but it's on the outside of my leg. And my God, it has been the biggest roller coaster. They said I would never ride again. They said I would never walk again. And I I limped around for a good year. I couldn't even get across. I couldn't get from one end of the house to the other. I couldn't walk across the kitchen. Uh, it was it was awful. And then I saw an American um, that that was train the brain. There's no pay. And I was like, what a load of old. And I limped in and walked out. Mm-mm. And I never looked back. And, you know, I I couldn't in that time. I couldn't really walk. But I could ride. And you know what it taught me i think one of the biggest lessons is those those horses bloody well knew that i was in pain and i'm sure i'm pretty sure they look they did look after me you know there are a couple that were like cool but majority of them were were like oh poor granddad we'll have to look after him and you know be a bit um Again, it, it it taught me to it taught me to ride differently again, you know. Um did it hurt when I was riding? Nope. Did it hurt when I got off? Yep. Mm. Um, you know, and riding's riding is incredible. I mean, you know, for mental health, for anything i think you know when when the surgeons i mean they still want to operate now and i just have have stuck two fingers up to them and said you're not touching me um because i can ride i i'm back riding i'm back competing and it's been the most in some ways the best um experience and my god it's been the worst as well i had to shut my yard down at home you know, I had a yard of six, seven, eight horses out here on my doorstep. I had to shut it down. Horses have always been outside my front door, but I couldn't do it. I couldn't walk. And that broke my heart. I had to send horses home away. And it broke my heart. You know, it's, t- it's taken such a long time to come back from that. Um, it, 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 it's been an awful experience, but I've, I've kept going. I've kept fighting um, in my own little way and still here, still breathing, um, still riding, um, still, still, lucky enough to, still, still lucky enough to work with some of the um, most brilliant people in the world and enjoy this this sport and and you know who who knows how long it will continue and and all i will say to anybody that wants to get into it is do it um talk to loads of people i i never think 
I've done a good job. I always think, you know, like with the horses, I always think I could do better. Um, do I ever pat myself on the back? Very, very rarely. Um, and, you know, enjoy it because you actually don't know how long it's going to last. Like with my leg, I never thought that that would come from falling on the road in a freak accident. But it, it you know, it nearly ended my career completely. Mm -hmm. um, enjoy it while you can. And, uh, you know, you never, you never know with this game. Um, as we know with the horses and competing, you're up there one minute and you're on your ass the next. So um, take the highs or the lows. It's tough. Mm -hmm. I don't know whether I'm selling it well. Um, <laughs> but, um, you can yeah, I, it, it, there's, there's no, there's no better, there's no better feeling. And it, just to get back in the saddle was mm -hmm. incredible. But uh, yeah, I mean, to be out competing again is, is, that's what we do. You know, we, that's, you know, we love it and it is an addiction. It's a crazy addiction. It's a mad addiction. They're worse than drugs and alcohol, these horses. Uh, uh, you know, and we we love them dearly, uh, dearly. I mean, oh my God, do I love my horses more than I love people? You know, I really do. I really do. They they're just so they're so special, and I think if we can make them feel special, they will give us their guts. They really will. Anyway, I'll stop. I can. Oh no 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 no. Sorry. No, this is what the, this is. This is what this is. This is a talking <laughs> podcast. If you did not speak, it would not work. Uh, no, I love it. And I mean, I think it's like always, it's like chatting with you. I think mo uh, our listeners will feel the same. It's just you could you could talk about the color of the wall. And I just hear <laughs> <laughs> like, um, but I, I think what rings through so clearly is that is you fully embracing and living your life, whether you're in, in the tack, whether you're in the commentary booth, what you're watching, you're living it and experiencing it. And I think that's, I mean, I do think that's one of those things, if you can accept it as horses are, is that it's going to come with all of this stuff. So just sit back and rock and roll, right? You got to yeah. go. go yeah, there. yeah. You, you and, you know, and, and also, as, we, as we've said, whether it be in the dressage, cross country or show jumping, in a split second things can go wrong you know and and or right or they can go wrong all right like, absolutely right. what is you happening? know you know that was like maryland with Austin. yes like, yeah absolutely and you know and to have that i mean that has clearly got to have come from the hunting field but it it is that adaptability and we never stop bloody learning you know Never, ever, ever, ever. And I know that, you know, all of the greats have been to the other greats and learned and picked up bits and pieces. And, you know, you never, ever stop. You never, ever stop. And um, I think that's, you know, it, it is a fascinating part of, of the game, of the sport. But... Um, there's always something. There is always something. Amen, brother. Amen. All right. When will we when will we see you in America again? Uh, I'm coming over for Bruce's Field. Oh, 
um, end of February and then going on to Chat Hills um, the week after. So beginning of March. Are you there? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and then I'm Maryland. Fingers crossed. Yes. Um, uh, a couple of others. Yeah, it, you know, things just fall into place. And, uh, you know, one one thing, I mean, I will say this, is whether it gets put in or not, one thing I've never done is email events or ask anybody. It's all come from either word of mouth or people. And, I, you know, I, 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 I do things my own way. I'm very passionate. I wear my heart on my sleeve. Um, you either like it or you don't. Marmite, probably. Um, you don't. Do you have Marmite, Vegemite, whatever it is? No. Um, I get it. <laughs> Bovril. Yeah, you know Marmite from being in the UK. Um, you know, you you either love it or hate it. We all have different um, ways and and uh, all different personalities. But I, I I'm me, and I I'm not afraid to call it. You know. And I'm not afraid to cry. I'm really not. And, you know, to go from one end, and I think, again, to go from one end of the spectrum to the other, it's human. Mm. It's human. And, and, and you've, got, you've got to get that. You've got to get that over to, you know, why sit there and say, well, well that was well, well done for winning your gold. Can't be stuck on a seven, right? You've got to use the full range. Absolutely. Ten. Use it all. Yeah, but you know, well done for winning your gold. Get excited. <laughs> Get excited. Oh, yeah. That is awesome. I, that's going to be your t shirt. I'm not afraid to call it or cry. Uh, exactly. Uh, well, Spencer, it's been so great catching up. Thank I, you so much. Any opportunity to talk to you. I'm so excited to see you in March. I think what will be neat for our listeners is now knowing two sides of the story, like knowing about you who who's calling the stories about other people. So I think it'll be a really neat compilation um, yeah. of, of uh, insight. So I can't. Well, it's, it's been her. brilliant and you're so fab to work with. And it's been um, an, a pleasure. And as I said right at the beginning, it's been a, a, an absolute honor. So thank you very much. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. All right, everyone. Uh, stay tuned for Spencer calling at Aiken at the showcase in the States and then again at Chat Hills and you will just hear his voice in your dreams. Peace. <laughs>